Let's talk some sectors and ways to avoid some of the carnage in a market that continues to fade rallies. Reese Williams joins us, chief strategist at Spouting Rock Asset Management. Okay, Reese, so uh, how do we avoid the biggest pain trades in this market right now? Is there a way to do it? Well, we think that there are some opportunities as always, but, uh, but it's, it's a narrower market than it certainly has been over the last several years. Um, certainly, the winners over the last several months have been agricultural, energy, uh, REITs, utilities, uh, and some consumer staples, more of a defensive uh, bet, along with inflation protection stocks. And we think that's going to continue. And the biggest reason for that is we don't think the Russia-Ukraine war is going to end until Russia wins. So this war is going to continue until that happens, which is going to keep sort of this bid into I don't know the agricultural and energy uh, energy stocks. Excellent. Secondly, um, there's a lot of you know structural reasons why these these companies already are doing well. So even without the war, so this is just sort of the icing on the cake, so to speak. Well, that's what's interesting is you can draw a line in crude that connects our lows that have been going higher and higher uh, for some time now. Uh, predates the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, by months, maybe even a year, if you uh, just to trace it all the way back to the lows of COVID. Obviously, a very extreme uh, pickup in that momentum these last few months. Uh, but it sounds like um, you have a view that, one, that event, that geopolitical conflict continues. Uh, and then, two, that uh, the baseline is strong anyway. So it sounds like kind of regardless maybe what you think about the geopolitics, you still stay in this trade regardless. I think this is uh, this is probably the case. When you think about it, uh, Exxon was the largest market cap uh, in the S&P 500 as recently as 2013. It's nowhere near the largest market cap today. Energy was 10% of the weighting of the S&P 500 in 2010, and now it's it's after a tremendous year, it's three and a half percent or so. So uh, to me, it's uh, it's it's just this has been underinvestment in energy. And we think that this way it can continue here for another year or two at least before, you know, it, it, it inevitably runs out of steam. What about with the central bank trying to stamp out inflation? Does that uh, not make the commodity trade inherently an exercise in timing if Powell is waiting around every corner trying to stop it from happening? Well, I think the problem is uh, the only way they can really stop it from happening is to cause a big recession. And, and the, in that case, yes, it will, will, it will go down. Um, but that's not good for most other things also. And so that's why the other half of it is to have some consumer staples and some utilities and some, some, some REITs with some dividend yields. Because you know, there is a potential, obviously, that the Fed goes too far. Mm. And back to your point about the war in Ukraine, as uh, it seems like if you have an assumption about how that ends as part of your strategy, then uh, we should probe it a bit here. Uh, the U.S. just authorized a huge amount of money for military weapons, and apparently those weapons dented up one of the biggest ships of uh, Russia's fleet, according to multiple reports overnight. Uh, what does win mean in your book? What are you looking for as an investor, not necessarily a wartime strategist, but as an investor, what are you looking for that could potentially be those cues that tell you what part of that timeline we're in? If you're making investments uh, based on this or uh, putting on bigger energy trades as the war goes on, what are those kind of thresholds you're looking for uh, from Ukraine and Russia right now to get a gauge on maybe where we're at on the timeline for that conflict? 
I mean, that's a good question. I do think the most important thing you mentioned earlier was there's a structural move to energy. This started before the war. So I, I think this can continue uh, after the war also. But I, I, as to the war itself, I do think that Putin seems to have made it pretty clear he is he's not going to lose. He's had some off ramps and he wants to at least uh, increase maybe a land bridge to Crimea, but increase the Donbass territory in some ways. So it, in other words, to justify this incredibly you know, crazy invasion that's just happened. Uh, and it appears at this point he still has public support for internally for for what he's doing. So um, so I don't see him. Uh, you know, being being happy with uh, what he prior prior had to the to the the previous um, you know the previous borders. Mm. I think he has to get something more. And on the other hand, Zelensky has basically said he's not going to give give up one centimeter. So in that regard, I don't see a, a near term end to the war because there has to be some land for peace. Mm. I think. So if you've got the, the uh, kind of longer term. Uh, picture here looking bullish for those commodity-centric trades. What about the other side of the ledger, uh, the other side of the barbell, as many described the strategy, being in some of those more industrial themes and uh, commodity cycle themes versus the tech stuff that powered the economy during COVID? Do you leave those behind, or how do they fit into the portfolio? Well, I do think that some of the you know, big tech stocks are some of the best companies we've ever seen in world history. Um, and m most of them are fairly um, immune to the supply chain issues. They don't often make products. They don't have a lot, you know, there are some exceptions, obviously, but they don't use a lot of labor. So they don't have the same labor challenges that, uh, that say, a retailer does. So I, I think that these are structurally great businesses, and you always want to have uh, uh, some of them in your portfolio. But I just think you know, unlike the last 10 years where you didn't need to think about energy, you didn't need to think about agriculture, you didn't really need to think about REITs, you should, you should, you know, have those kind of stocks as well, as well as the kind of the core growth stocks that, that we know and love. Hey, is there anything that uh, this earnings season you think is going to shine? We're just kicking it off. And so far, the banks aren't doing a great job. I think it's going to be a tough earnings season only because, to your point, uh, people are sort of keying on bad news and and um, and ignoring any any good news. So I think I think it's going to be a difficult earnings season. Clearly, costs have gone up more than anybody expected three months ago. Uh, and in terms of the consumer, revenues uh, came in a little light. I think overall in in March. So I think the, the there'll be more negative surprises than than there have been over the last three to five earning cycles. Mm. That being said, the market's down a lot. So some of this is discounted. Okay. Hey, Reese, uh, one more real quick is, uh, uh, do you believe the Fed's going to go seven times this year? Is that uh, the baseline we should assume? I think unless they see uh, some slowdown, yes, they'll keep going. Um, but but I do think that this is fairly data-dependent Fed. And, you know, we, we, we can see these things can turn quickly. And we'll see every time over the last 10 years, I've noticed that the uh, tenure gets to 3%. The economy slows. So I think maybe this time isn't different. And as the 10 year starts to approach three, maybe the Fed will get helped out by the economy slowing and won't have to go seven. Mm. Okay, so the bond market may be doing Powell's job for him to some extent here. Uh, Reese, thanks. Great combo this morning. I think we hit all the big stuff. Appreciate you joining us. Thanks, Oliver. Good questions. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Reese Williams, Chief Strategist at Spouting Rock Asset Management.